figured we'd work things out eventually. But then Daniel LaRusso came in town. This is it. This is the end of the line. Next thing I know, he's hitting on her. I see the two of them flirting with each other. What did you do? Oh, I walked over to have a civil conversation with Allie. What is your problem? Look, why don't you just take your little Cobra Kai's and get out of here? Oh, right? yeah, right. That's going to solve everything. But Russo kept budding. What's going what? on? What? Yeah, just get All right. I told him to get lost, mind your own business. Out of nowhere, the guy sucker punched. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. What an asshole. I know, man. Welcome to No Mercy, a Cobra Kai kickback. My name is Jacob Burrows, and I represent Miyagi-Do. I am a master of balance, when it, but when it comes to balancing my wife and my mother, I leave that to my sensei, or should I say, my daughter. <laughs> my name is Jim Scampoli. I represent Cobra Kai because I can decide to clean up my act in my life, but it doesn't mean I won't smack a motherfucker. That's right, Cobra Kai, season one, episode eight uh molting oh this one's also directed by steve pink uh story oh. by josh heald john hurwitz hayden schlossberg stacy Harmon. uh story and tell play by michael jonathan smith uh looks like i said last week it's yeah. the only episode he directed and i was very wrong but yeah. these are the only two episodes he's directed anyway uh molting it's a sn- thing snakes do it's a snake thing again guys yeah. very good um so this episode starts out with training in a junkyard and basically you become better at fighting by destroying cars makes sense to me yeah it also parallels the end of the episode Ooh, you know what i didn't put that together until you just said that to me just now so that's mm-hmm. what this show's for uh i mean it just brings it it, it brings the fun we got johnny lawrence still being johnny yelling at kids uh yeah they get to we get to have a tra- yet another training montage we get to see how cobra kai does it because we're getting ready for the all valley tournament we get to see them smash cars run away from dogs um you know do all kinds of fun oh the, when they have to walk across the plank above like rusty broken glass and uh like car parts so they don't fall in and get really injured uh great yeah. stuff yeah it's a great I, I also do enjoy that at the end of this none of these kids are like i'm suddenly way better at karate it's just like nah this is just what we do you know i complained a bit about robbie getting super good at karate real fast but this is just like you have to, you have to show this and then imagine that that's what johnny's doing to these kids all the time and, um, I mean, and you also gotta love what his parallels to like you know do you care how i wash these windows nah, i don't give a shit oh, yeah. just the same he's like there's nothing to fear except fear itself and falling into a bunch of rusty old metal and broken glass so don't do that <laughs> and i mean and it's a nice contrast to what we'll see later when uh daniel takes robbie to a nice serene picturesque wilderness uh for training where you can be nice and zen and in touch with nature like you know listen to that what do you hear you know, that's what mm-hmm. that's what Miyagi does all about. I, I do like that they have to I mean, jumping ahead to that real quick while we're on it. And they had to have a comment of like, you know, yeah, he used to take me to a lake. But with the drought, like that's nothing. So I found this place. So it was like the one I mean, I have to assume there's some truth to that. Like it doesn't exist or something. Uh, but it's like the one opportunity to, for them not to go back to, a you know, a place we've already been from the Karate Kid movies and kind of go to a. Uh, an in-between, a place that Daniel found uh, not in a movie that we saw. 
Yeah, it would have been fine for them not to even talk about that and just have him go to train at a place he always goes to train. Yeah. Also, I, I mainly remember them training by the ocean. Exactly. Am I mad? Yeah, yeah. Or I guess I, I would maybe he means like the lake where when they're uh, fishing. Yes. Yeah, where he knocks them off the boat. That that uh mm. that good old stuff there. But yeah, I mostly remember the iconic stuff is them being on the beach. Yeah. Um, so we also have uh, some drama going on in the LaRusso family. Of course, uh, Sam's all happy flicking through photos on her phone, but uh, Daniel's mother shows up. We, we see a bit of tension between the, mm-hmm. the women of the family, as I mentioned in the intro. And Daniel, with his perfect balancing of everything in his life, uh, just goes, I don't know what to do with this. Like, uh, I can't really side with either of you. You're my mother. You're the mother of my children. Uh, Sam? <laughs> yeah, I mean the the Amanda LaRusso part, it's kind of a thankless job. Um she doesn't get a ton of great stuff to do, but I think she's really good in the part. Um yeah. and you know, we we get to see the the hint at of more of a square kind of sitcom family life like the the standard, you know, ah, my mom and my wife, you know, who who do I side with? Who do I stick up for? And especially someone like Daniel uh who we know i mean he was raised by his mom so he was a single mom and they were close remember them having he the always talk? came home from work started cooking straight away jim <laughs> yeah yeah and you know it's it's fun to see it it feels still a little like uh i don't want to say like unearned but maybe it's like not enough because we have all this other stuff going on between karate i mean it's it's welcome because it's a more domesticated just standard problem but it's hard to really give the karate a run for its money well sure yeah i was just on board with it because i was like uh i i really envy their house i really like their house and i wish i lived in their house um so now i'm like oh good i'm glad to see they have like non-karate related problems as well (laughs) well and actually i mean because it's going to come up later in this episode somewhat uh i meant to bring it up last episode they kind of touch on the Miguel being the Daniel uh, and uh, Sam being the alley with an eye when yeah. she brings up the season tickets, like the Lakers season tickets. And mm. there's that, you know, uh, I'm a poor kid from the Valley. You know, you're you're a rich girl. And I guess the Hills, is that where the rich people are? I don't know, L.A. I just I know what TV shows teach me. And Tino, uh, Reseda. Yeah. That's, that's what you need to know. <laughs> Uh, so, I mean, thankfully, Miguel, at least in the previous episode, handles that a lot better than Daniel did back in the day where he'd constantly yell at Allie and like storm off and be mad that she was rich and he was poor. He kind of takes it with a smile. And again, it, when it comes up here, it's not even so much about the wealth gap. Of course, it's the reverse situation of what Robbie had when he stepped in on Miguel and Johnny having their moment. He sees this strange kid kind of hanging out with Sam's family. But I don't know. You'd almost assume, like, why would he assume that that's, like, a boyfriend? Uh, you, you could almost just assume it's, like, someone from their family, right? No, but that's the, the problem is that uh, she hid him on the screen and said, uh, oh, I'm not talking to anyone. True. Meanwhile, his family's all like, oh, you can take the phone call. He's got a girlfriend and yeah. he's shown his sensei and all this and she seems to be ashamed of it. So that's going to ramp up all of those feelings. Um, 
speaking of, I mean, we have uh, him and Miguel, sorry, Miguel and Johnny training there at the start. And he says, like, you're the, basically my shot at winning this tournament. So I'm giving you some special training. And don't flatter yourself. Have you seen the others? And uh, he sees uh daniel's daughter on his phone and decides to tell this story and i wanted to mention i feel like his opinion of sam it just is a bit more nuanced than when daniel's like oh don't promise me not to hang out with anyone who does cobra kai because they're all evil like he actually has a reason not to like sam because she was in the car that crashed into his car and then just drove off and didn't yep. do shit um so she has he is just given more of a reason for that but then as we discussed last week daniel has a lot of reasons because of cobra guy part three but nobody watched that so we all think he's crazy <laughs> <laughs> it is interesting the way there's no i mean i guess it makes sense like what would be because i was going to say that, like there's that there's been no interaction really between miguel and daniel besides when daniel stormed into the um uh dojo and was yeah. like, hey, get away from this guy, kid, or, you know, you're going to end up just like him. And then, of course, his other, uh, you know, besides dating his daughter, the other experience he's, or at least knowledge of Daniel LaRusso he's going to have is the story from Johnny here. Um, but, yeah, it's just interesting that there's ne- there hasn't been either in like, a, like, hey, kid, nice kicks or something. <laughs> where'd, you, where'd you pick that up? Cobra Kai, what? Uh, but, yeah, but you're right. To, to your point, Johnny has uh, a much more level-headed opinion of not just Daniel LaRusso, but his daughter, because, yeah, she, she's just hanging out with her rich friends who are also, from what he knows from Daniel, were hanging out with those rich bullies that were beating up Miguel, uh, and her rich friends crashed into his car. So, yeah, she's just a spoiled rich girl. Yeah, so we have the explanation. Uh, it was in the at the start of the episode as a clip. This is the part where it's definitely inspired by that YouTube video we've talked about, oh, where sure. you know there's the if you haven't seen it, you probably have if you're listening to this. But you know, YouTube video, basically like video essay. I think the argument is like you can make anyone anything seem like like basically if you present your argument well enough you can make it seem like anything's going on in one of these uh, films and the argument being that john lawrence is actually the good guy and it's it feels like like beat for beat almost going through like them on the beach he sucker punched me and it's like things that are true but things are left out so of course miguel is gonna think daniel larusso is a fucking maniac and he's gonna hate him <laughs> yeah i mean in that same vein of what you're saying you could prove if with a well thought out argument you could almost say something crazy like, I don't know, Dom Toretto from Fast and Furious is a Terminator. And I don't, maybe you yeah. could search that on YouTube and you could follow, <laughs> you can find a well-thought-out argument that uh, proves that Dom Toretto is a Terminator. I don't know. I'm just throwing it out there. Yeah, and another crazy thought, like, what if... I know it's a mess, but what if you could actually fix Game of Thrones, right? Yeah. Maybe you should search that on YouTube, how to fix how to fix Game of Thrones. Maybe there's a video essay about that as well. I'm just saying there's a lot of video essays out there. Yes. <laughs> um, and, I mean, it's – I was almost – and, again, going back to what we were discussing last week with the previous episode of, like, being so in tune to this universe because we watched The Karate Kid 1, 2, and 3 before watching this – and at this point, where we're still flashing back to the first movie and, of course, the All Valley Tournament, there's almost a part of me that's like, "All right, we get it. Like, I can't, <laughs> I can't keep seeing and watch this fight again. <laughs> this goddamn finals <laughs> where, where he kicks uh, Johnny in the face. I mean, to be fair, they cut away before the kick, but 
you know, I'm like at this point, I'm like, oh my God, the, the, the all Valley finals, like I'm in my real life now working on stuff at work. And I'm still thinking like, God damn it. Those fucking all Valley, fi uh, finals back in 1984. Can you believe what happened? Yeah. I think it's only cause we've been doing this intense <laughs> study that, that I don't think that happens when you watch Cobra Kai. Cause I agree. you're watch probably watched the whole season in one day. And so you're like, ah, oh, I saw, I saw it twice, but we're like, this motherfucking fight is the crux of the entire existence of the universe uh, of this world. Everything revolves around this one fight because they made a movie about it. <laughs> This is the uh, Infinity Gauntlet moment. <laughs> like this is the snap where everything changes around this fight, man. <laughs> oh man, uh, yeah, this goddamn fight. Um, going back to that too, when we were talking about uh, the the movies, that the referee I didn't realize until recently is the like the like fight coordinator, or like he did the choreography for the actual fights for the oh, movie. Cool. Um, so go ahead. No, I just said cool. Oh. We, uh, uh, that's like we talked about him being the same guy, but I, yes. I didn't know that. And that was the original ending that they used in part two. Like that's why they had it. It was just shot to be the ending, and they decided to trim it out. I guess this is probably obvious stuff to people listening to the podcast, and they're probably yelling at us when we were discussing it. But I didn't know that at the time. Wait, what was the original ending? The with Crease? Yeah, the beginning of part two. That makes sense because I it was does, like, yeah, it makes th that always felt like the thing. And you even said that, like, when you watched it, you thought that was in it or whatever, yeah. like in the original, because they they just float together so well. But like, it doesn't make s if you if you think about it, like, it's just a great ending on uh, Mr. Miyagi. And imagine having them walking out and being congratulated and all that bullshit. <laughs> it wouldn't make much sense. <laughs> and and another thing is that referee, like, when you see Miyagi in the distance doing the crane kick crane kick it's that guy like because he's the you know the stand in oh. double and stuff like that so again i'm cool. sure this is obvious stuff that we missed but just you know playing a little catch up there um because we're at least flashing the show's flashing back to it so we can bring it back up <laughs> yes um so so uh is her name amanda the wife yeah amanda Samantha? and yeah. lucille is his mom yeah so amanda brings up how uh louis cousin louis is a piece of shit yeah uh and she's right we've seen this play out <laughs> yeah um and very useful piece of shit because he makes the plot move at the end of the episode um but yeah no he uh he's he's a piece of shit who's got like some bikers to show up to have like a bike now they're gonna do more motorcycles or whatever and daniel's just like oh come on and she's the one who's like his actual business partner going like this is insanity. We can't have this. And then his mom takes a bite out of her and then they take bites out of each other. And it's just random uh, fighting and arguing over at the LaRusso house, which I'm like, thank God. I hate to see, I, I love to see rich people suffer. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it's one thing to, you know, be a, a business owner or whatever and deal with your own family but then to deal with your in-laws of just someone that anyone else you would just immediately have fired long ago, but you kind of have to string them along uh, like out of like some family obligation to someone who's not really related to you by blood. And, you know, I, I understand the LaRussos. They're all about family first, even though we didn't quite see uh, Louis in the movies. We did see, which I assume was his father geeking out in that bed. Well, 
his well, Lucille was taking care of him. So we do know that yeah. Lucille's all about family. And yes, there's like you know a little sniping back and forth uh, because at least which t- movies and TV have taught me when you're a woman and you're a strong, independent woman in your own house, the last thing you want is your mother-in-law to come in and start like criticizing how you raise your children, how you uh, maintain your home, never mind your business. Ah, this this is like almost another show going on for all the ladies out there <laughs> where they can relate. You know what I mean? Right. I feel like no, but okay. Um, we do, I'm just going to move on from that, Jim. We get a very different family dinner at the Diaz household where Carmen and Rosa, uh, Miguel's mother and grandmother, are there uh, <laughs> with a dish of plantain. And I will say, I did Google like plantain because I am not an uh, English is not my first language. I had to look into this. And I the first thing that pops up is like biologically, there's no difference between plantain and bananas. And I'm like, fucking Johnny's right then. <laughs> Johnny's a, right. In America we call them bananas. <laughs> it's a great joke though. It's one of my favorite yeah. jokes. I mean, they're they're a little di- they're you could tell they're different, but yeah, it's a funny, dumb American um Johnny Lawrence joke. I I dig it. Yeah, and he also gets to say like, "Oh, it's like they're like, oh, he won't get hurt in the tournament." And he's like, "Yeah, like at least not permanently." <laughs> and this is um, where I mean, I I kind of asked about it too early because I was r- vaguely remembering this scene. This is the one scene that makes it seem like are they gonna get into um, Miguel's father at some point? Because they're like hinting. I mean, they're hinting at enough that like what he's like a crime boss or whatever or. Or then they're gonna switch it around if they ever do come back to it. I like it more as like uh, that's what happened and here we are. But I'm afraid as like we're running a TV show and we need to fill time that maybe it's something that will come back. What are your thoughts? Yeah, it's a good question because uh, you it, like it feels like they're throwing something into the air to like maybe catch later. But I I. I don't believe they're going like yes and in season five this will happen Mm. but once they're sort of going back and if they need something they have this uh so it i also feel afraid of that because what if it's like you know karate kid part two we're in okinawa and we have like this crime boss who's like oh mickelson you will join my dojo now (laughs) and be crime lord it's like you have to fight his crime dad's crime guys now is that gonna be a thing because i would probably not like that but i haven't been disappointed thus far so what do i know yeah yeah i i have a lot of faith in the writers that even if they do revisit it'd be fine i'm mostly speaking from like just other worst tv shows when they get into stuff like that uh it could be bad and yeah it's just it is i think you're right it's like okay we'll put this here maybe we'll never need it but at least if it's here and it's something we want to explore because we have these ideas for, you know, the next two seasons or whatever, maybe it's something that'll come up. I guess we'll have to wait and see. Yeah. Um, so Sam leaves the, the fight and Skypes Miguel, who runs out of his dinner, and then they're ch- trying to make plans. But uh, he's, like, talking about, uh, no, I got to train all day on Sunday. How about Saturday? She doesn't want to do Saturday. She suggests joining a different dojo, and he's like, what? And this is when they're they're very much on different wavelengths, where she just wants it to be okay to introduce him to Daniel. But obviously he doesn't know that or understand what's going on. So in, instead of like 
when she's like, uh, oh, no, it's just my lab partner talking some bullshit. She's saying that because she really likes him, obviously, and yeah. wants them to wants to be able to introduce him. That's why she's talking about a different dojo. But it does sound sus as fuck. What I do like about this, and this is just a classic, you know, Romeo and Juliet, if you will. <laughs> but yeah, no, I, it is. I do just like the idea that they something that has nothing to do with them is affecting them. Um, you know, the sins of the father, if you will. Uh, I will. <laughs> so, I mean, I, I, I like that. Uh, you know, it's it's frustrating as a viewer, but frustrating in that, like, oh, my God, just be truthful with everyone and it'll all work out. But that's not how people are. And I know it's especially not how people are in a TV show, but it's also how people yeah. are in real life as well. This is true. Very true. Um, so basically, what is it that... Uh, so, something. Uh, sp- yeah. Okay. Uh, what's her name? It's Carmen. Says you can't let the mistakes of the past determine your future. Yeah. And like last episode, we had Johnny Lawrence realize that you know he can kick ass in different ways. He can he can wear a suit and present an argument and win that way. And now. He gets told that the mistakes of the past don't have to determine the future. And we've seen him dwelling on the past all throughout the show at the start as well, of course, when he's reminiscing about Ali and all that, how that all went to shit because of Daniel. Um, And now this is like the catalyst he needs. And I feel like it does work. It's like in a different show, it might be, um, I don't know. She just says that and all of a sudden he cleans up his act, but it's just everything else in the show has been building to that as well, I think. Um, so it makes sense when he goes and just literally cleans up his life by cleaning up his uh, apartment. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And I mean, it also does tie into what we're just saying about uh, Miguel and Sam, because, you know, it the, those mistakes are determining their future, even though it's something they had nothing to do with. Then we have Robbie and Sam meeting for the first time, and we're getting hints of every good teen story has to have a love triangle. Am I wrong, Jacob? I mean, every I don't know about every good one, but every <laughs> single one, good, bad, and ugly, they all have it. Yes. It's some sort of shape. It's at least a triangle. Sometimes it becomes like a dodecahedron. It can become all kinds of shape. But, uh, yeah, you got to have at least two hot guys and two hot girls, otherwise it's not a real teen show. Yeah, so. that's how it goes. Um, so, yeah, at least that's the big meeting, and she gives him the old, you know, hey, good luck with the tree. Uh, you know, because Daniel's got a couple tricks up his own sleeve. He's not just got the Miyagi tricks. He's not just got the, you know, wax on, wax off. He's got the tree. That's his known thing. And, I mean, how, is it pushing it too far when we have Daniel upside down doing the Miyagi double kick or trying to do the Miyagi double kick? Or is it just kind of a, f- is it a version of Hawk's tattoo? Like it's cartoonish, but it works. Or is it pushing too far in your opinion? I forgot. Uh, is that in the films? Does Miyagi do that? No, no. It's just okay. their way of like, the crane kick or the drum or the kata, they have to have their thing, right? That's how I read it is 
They're well, like, Jim, just imagine a reality where it goes to him on the tree and he goes like this, <laughs> like he's beating two drums. Yeah. And that would be worse. Okay. So if you didn't see YouTube.com slash shows what you know, that's where you see the video feed. Yep. And it's a close up on me. So you can't see what my arm's doing, but he's going like, <laughs> and would somehow still be in a close up. So we can't see his arms, just like Karate Kid Part Two. That would have been worse, Jim. So I don't mind this at all. Okay. Yeah. I kind of jumped ahead head to that because it's like what i thought of is the whole upside down thing because it's to me it, it's all even i love cobra guys so much but it's it's almost like i get they have to have a crane kick type thing but it's it's almost pushing it a little little too far but i'll allow it uh there is a quick line when they're walking through the wilderness where robbie says like i feel like jackie chan and I mean that obviously is because like, Jackie Chan's in the other Karate Kid, right? Isn't he the um, yeah Miyagi? But that doesn't exist, Jim. So it's fine. Yeah. yeah, but it's you know a nice little shout out, right? I didn't even like Jackie Chan is just so prolific in the world of fighting films that I didn't even make the brain connection. So, <laughs> but I, I, I guess I only made the connection because he says it for no reason. I feel like they're just walking. It's like why would you feel like Jackie Chan? You're just walking in That's the woods. Fair. But then, now I'm wondering, uh, I haven't seen um, the Karate Kid with Jackie Chan. I, I bet you they go to a wilderness in the tree. It's all there. <laughs> I bet you it's all from that movie. <laughs> I don't know. No, I don't. I did watch it, but I don't remember anything from it except that it felt really weird to see Jackie Chan beating up a bunch of kids. Because yes. that, in that, it felt a lot more like this is Jackie Chan, martial arts expert, we've seen in a million times beat up a bunch of uh, adults and now he's be beating up children and like really beating them up and i'm like i guess technically mr miyagi was the same age as him or whatever you know that thing where uh pat was way younger than yeah. you think he was yeah. um but yeah no it's it was strange i don't remember anything else from it though um as, in regards to the kick I think it's fine because he doesn't do it right. And I, what isn't fine is like, there's no way you could effectively use that in a fight. Just look at the stance he's in. When the fuck would you ever be in the position to be able to effectively use that? Because he says like, if you do it right, there's no blocking it. Yeah, but it takes you like 20 minutes to set it up. So I don't yeah. think that matters, Daniel. Although uh, I guess still, it's... I, don't, I don't mind it because I like to see him fall. Well, it's the same. I mean, if someone tried to do a crane kick in a fight, you would just punch them in the throat or... <laughs> You know, like you or you just kick their one foot out from underneath them. Yep. So but anyways, you know, they, they, that's nitpicking. We love Karate Kid. Uh, so, yeah, we in the midst of the training, Johnny is back in his clean apartment. He goes to reach for a beer, decides to have orange juice instead. Iron Eagles on the TV. I feel like if we get to the point where we've exhausted the episodes and we're still waiting for new ones, we're going to have to watch the Iron Eagle movies, Jacob. So get ready, and we can break them down on why they perf perfectly encapsulate the character of Johnny Lawrence. For sure, for sure. Um, so let's see. We have one quick scene in, in the movie theater that's good just because, uh, well, it's basically just Miguel saying out loud his insecurities, uh, and Aisha's like, nah. It's fine. Hawk throwing candy at some uh, chicks, just like Johnny was telling about. But I do like that we get to see J Hawk isn't fully developed into yeah. this like confidence because he hits someone else who's like, who the hell did that? And he's like, oh, yeah, he's very like, scared. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, I did expect, uh, well, I've obviously seen it before, but I almost thought Daniel was going to give um, Robbie like a blindfold, like now do it with a blindfold mm. on the log, you know? Yeah. That would make sense to me. But, you know, it's been enough training. <laughs> I do like Daniel busting out the old like um, uh, catcher's like uh, like body mat and mask, like very Miyagi-esque for the punching yeah. training. I mean, because again, like that's when we're started getting into more nostalgia bits, which is fine. I feel like it all works because it's definitely a nostalgia bit, but it makes sense uh, for the character as well. It doesn't come off like not to like pick on Star Wars, but some of the new Star Wars, they were able to weave in nostalgia bits that worked like like Cobra Kai does. But then they were also just threw in a thing because it was in the thing before. You know what I mean? I feel like outside of maybe one or two, most of the times at least makes sense. Like, okay, you know, Hey, that's how Daniel was trained. He'd probably do a similar thing. He'd keep it. He'd keep it 100. Yeah. Um, so basically as we know, at the end of this episode, uh, Johnny is about to go and beat the shit out of Daniel, (laughs) uh, because of all these things coming together. So I think before we get there, like the whole, it just makes sense that he's even at the point where he's writing a letter to Robbie that he's never going to get. It seems like, and he goes to Sid, gives the money back. It's like, basically like this is peak perfect. uh, Johnny letting go of the past, uh, giving the money back as a symbolic thing of like saying a fuck you, but also I'm better than you, but also you are nothing to me to his stepfather. And uh, that obviously feels really great, but it's like all of this has to happen so he can then get pulled right back into this uh, rivalry, back into this fight from the 80s. <laughs> yeah, it's very similar to if you watch a lot of TV, um, although I guess movies do it as well. But TV, it's very apparent if you watch a lot is a, a common thing is when a character is about to die is it's always like they wrap up their loose ends and they're like ready to achieve their dreams type deal. Or they're a villain, but they make them super likable all of a sudden. And it's kind of like they're going to join the good guys and then they get shot in the head or whatever. And it's like, oh my God, but I like him now. Um, It's still awesome to me. Like, you know, as a fan, like someone that enjoys story, even though you can kind of see stuff coming, because you're like, well, this ain't the finale yet. Like, if this was the series finale or something, you'd be like, ah, great. Johnny cleaned up his act. He wrote a letter to his son. And hopefully good things are going to happen to him. But you're like, mm, there's still a couple episodes left. And it's just kind of like things might be going good. And then, you know, Louis shows up and they start beating the shit out of his car. He does get to kick some ass, which is great. Uh, his, car, his car still gets lit on fire. Uh, but he's speeding off into the night to find Daniel LaRusso and kick his ass. How cool it is, is it that he just grabs a motorbike <laughs> and like rides off on that? It's very in line with his whole 80s rock like uh, thematic that he's got going on. It would have been too far, but all of a sudden if they kicked in that song that's playing when he's on his bike in, um, in Karate Kid Part 1. <laughs> when it's yes. like, this is the night I'm with my boys. Dun, dun, dun. You know, if you ever listen to the full version of that song, it's not as badass as you'd expect. Only that part's badass. It's just surprising. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, but I mean, how excited are you at the end of this episode to watch the next episode? Yes. Because I, I can't imagine anyone here eight episodes in that is like, 
Uh, I think I'll give it a rest for the last two because if you're in it here, you're like, I'm just going to finish this now because yeah. fuck it. Like, I need to see what happens when he uh, arrives at his destination. It's worth mentioning as well. We have Miguel showing up and like we said at the start, seeing Robbie in there. I will say he uh, asked her to go to the movies. She said no. Um, so he went with his Cobra Kai pals. Uh, and it's got to be Saturday because he's not training all day uh, yet. So he just shows up there unannounced. Which also probably isn't a great thing if you know that your girlfriend hasn't told her parents that you exist. Just saying. Yeah, that's true. I mean, he he was ready to strike first, and he was going to strike that's hard. True. He was just going to be like, hey, Mr. LaRusso. Uh, but then he pussied out. You know, Johnny would not be proud when he walks away here. There's an open seat right there and everything. I don't know. I feel like uh, the open seat is uh, not close enough to <laughs> Sam, and I feel like that would be a beta move at this point, Jim. That's true. And I think Robbie already struck first. Would have been great if he just walked up and flipped the table and sped off into the night. <laughs> that would have this been is alpha. The night, uh, flip the <laughs> yeah. tables, uh, dude. Your boy's gonna go and fight the guys. Yeah, that would have been a hawk <laughs> move for sure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I would enjoy that. Uh, I think instead we're going to get to see a very slow table flip over the course of several episodes. So we have that to look forward to. Um, And yeah, what are your thoughts on this episode? Great episode, a weak episode. Uh, Email us at showswhatyouknowshow at gmail.com. You can also go to showswhatyouknow.com for all of our other coverage of shows like Sopranos. Uh, We make up our own shows. There's a show called Real History where we talk about the historical context of different uh, movies and television shows. Uh, All to be found at showswhatyouknow.com. Is there anything else, Jim? I believe there's just one more thing. What's that? Strike first. Strike hard. No No mercy. mercy.